Jesus for the blood. Anybody agree with that today? Amen. I certainly do. Thank you, choir. Thank y'all for leading us. Didn't they do a great job leading us in worship this morning? Amen. Amen. I tell you, I, I, I could never be a choir leader because I know zero about music, but I, I know that I can be a good cheerleader. Amen. Amen. So as our children's church is gathering over to my left and your right at the Welcome Center, uh, we'll take just a moment. And while they're, turn, while they're uh, coming over, I want to encourage you to turn with me in God's Word to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And when you find chapter 2, I want to invite you to find verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And if you would, find verse 10. Uh, there's another real important thing. Uh, we all have these milestones through our life, and I'm so grateful that if I lived a Wednesday, uh, me and Miss Angie will celebrate our 31st anniversary. Can y'all believe that? I tell you what. And uh, see, uh, I, I tell you what, the only reason I, I'm a big believer in, in the sanctity of human life, the sanctity of marriage, but I tell you, God's been good to me. Uh, he brought her into my life at a very important time. And uh, for 34 years, she's been in my life, 34, 31, my wife, and I am so grateful, so grateful in our, you know, these years of ministry. If I lived in November 14th, to be 28 years as a pastor, and I was in ministry seven years prior to that, and um, she's been with me every step of the way and never, ever once brought dishonor to our family, uh, to our, the churches we've served or to our Lord and that is so important and I'm grateful to God for that. We've lived through all those expectations of what people have that the pastor ought to be and that his wife ought to be and back in the old days we would come in and they'd say do you play the piano honey? <laughs> do you sing? Well then what are you doing married to a preacher if you don't do it? One of those. So anyhow so we learn real quickly that the expectations of the world don't always match the expectations of the Bible. You know what we tried to do? We just stuck with the Bible, amen? And it's worked, and we're grateful to God for that. So I appreciate y'all praying for us, and I appreciate uh, you loving us, and appreciate you, uh, uh, you know, just uh, trusting us with what God has called us to do here. I'm just grateful for Jesus this morning, amen? So I want to encourage you, as I said, turn with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you would find verse uh, 10. If you found your place physically able, let's stand together in honor and reverence the reading of the word of God. Scripture's also on the front of your worship guide and will be on the screen just behind me if you need that to follow along. We want you to see, hear, and read what God's word has to say. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. The Bible says these words. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom in glory. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that the Son of God would be glorified today through the faithful proclamation of the gospel. We pray, Father, that you remind this preacher that every time we come to this pulpit, we come here to die to ourselves so that others can live for you. Father, I pray today that every person, every family will leave here with a clear direction from you of how you would have them to serve you as they love you and walk with you. And Father, for those in this service today that do not have a relationship with you, Father, today may it be the day of salvation for them. May they hear the voice of the Holy Spirit call them to repentance. May they come to you today by faith, repenting of their sin. And may they leave here a born-again child of God. And may your glory fall on your people today is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you may be seated. I'm speaking to you today on the family's assignment. You know, during my late teen years and early adult years, I was fortunate to be around a lot of builders, I, a lot of builders that built different things, and I was exposed to those who were residential home builders, those that were commercial builders, and 
I observed a lot of things during those years that taught me what went into being good at the process of building and constructing uh, buildings and homes. I believe a quality builder understands some important things. They understand that the importance of starting a good structure is having a solid foundation. They understood the importance of structural integrity. They understood the importance of following closely the architectural drawings to ensure that their building was both steady, safe, and secure for those that would inhabit that building. Once the building was completed, it would forever bear the name of the architect and the builder forever. Their name, their integrity, was always on the line, and they knew that there was no value in cutting corners. They knew they had to do their best job on every project because each project would bear their name for their lifetime. So what I've learned from my experiences in those days it helped me a whole lot with a building project that I'm a part of today. I realize as a follower of Jesus Christ, we're not just about building physical buildings. We are a part of a project of building the kingdom of God here on earth. That starts with us as individuals. It spreads to our families. It spreads to the family of God as we work together for this purpose. And it's not a kingdom for me, but it's a kingdom of which my master is the architect and he is also the designer. See, he has given me and you a glorious privilege that we would be able to be a laborer on his team and this kingdom would be a kingdom of which there would be no end. See, the purpose and assignment of every family that seeks to follow Jesus Christ is to build the kingdom of God because we must understand today that as followers of Christ, we are either building his kingdom or we're building our own. The first mention of the word kingdom in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 10, verse 10, when the work of Nimrod is being presented as he established his kingdom. In the Old Testament, we read of other kingdoms and that they would be land areas that were ruled over by a specific king and the dictionary defines a kingdom as a territory a people, state, or realm ruled by a king or queen. It is also defined as the spiritual domain of God. Amen? See, that's what we want to focus on today, the spiritual domain of God and what part you have in it, what part I have in it, what part your family has, my family has, and what part this family of faith has in building the kingdom of God. Here's how the psalmist described it. He described that the kingdom belongs to God. In Psalm 103, 19, he says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. What does this verse teach us? It teaches us that the true kingdom belongs to our Father. Psalm 145, verse 13, the scripture says, your kingdom is an ever lasting kingdom and your domain endures throughout all generations. This verse teaches us that the true kingdom of God not only belongs to the Father, but it will be blessed forever. That's some good news for the church today. So as I studied the usage of the word kingdom in the scriptures, my heart was drawn to this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 12 makes a statement that really pierces my heart where he says that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. Now let me say it again, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. You say, wait just a minute. You, you mean that I have been invited to join God in the work of building his kingdom? Absolutely. You've been invited. So if we've been invited, how do we gain entry? Well, Luke chapter 18, verse 15, as Jesus was ministering, here's what the Bible says. Then they also brought infants to him 
that he might touch them, but the disciples saw it and rebuked them. Look here, they bring in the children to Jesus and the disciples are saying he's too busy, he don't have time for that. But Jesus called to them. Aren't you glad that the scripture uses the words but Jesus? Man, he had a different opinion. Man, he had a different, <clears throat> different take and here's what the Bible says. But Jesus called to them and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. God. Assuredly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. You know what I love about children is that they are sometimes brutally honest. I had this little boy come by one Sunday morning years ago and I'm talking to him and his mom and daddy's there and I said, how's things been going, bud? You doing all right? And he's a little baseball player. And I said, how's your baseball going? I said, good. I said, what you been doing lately? He said, oh, it's good. He said, hey, preacher. He said, daddy slept on the couch last night. <laughs> I thought to myself, this poor little kid, I'm never gonna see him again. But I, I mean, his, his daddy's face turned all shades of purple and mama went white and they, they were ready to go get some chicken. I mean, they were, you know, I, you really, that's just one of those times in ministry you don't know what else to say, right? He could have been up late watching Tennessee throw water bottles and golf balls on the field. I don't know, but anyhow, I mean, for whatever reason, Papa stayed on the couch and the little boy thought for some reason the preacher needed to know, but I didn't need to know. So if you did, please, I, I, it's okay. You don't have to tell me. I know y'all wondering sometimes, what is my child telling the preacher? Oh, I'm telling you, you'd be surprised. I won't always tell you because they tell me the truth. <laughs> so in order for me to become as a little child, some people would say, well, that means I'm gonna have to be born all over again. Well, here's what Jesus said when he was posed with this question in John chapter three with Nicodemus. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born of the water, that's the physical birth. Born of the spirit, that's the spiritual birth. Born again means born from above. No, you don't have to be physically reborn you've got to be spiritually born amen I'm grateful to God for that so okay I've been invited preacher once I get into the kingdom what's next he didn't put you in the kingdom to just sit soak and sour he put you into the kingdom to be a part of the kingdom building program see a kingdom builder is one who builds the kingdom of God and he does so by serving, sacrificing, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Not sit soaking sour, but serve, sacrifice, and share. That's how we do the work of God. See, every believer has a part in building the spiritual domain of God here on earth and the questions we must answer are, what is my role and how do I fulfill my role? What is my role at home? What is my role at church? What is my role in society? What is my role as a follower of Jesus and how do I fulfill that role? Well, we read about the church at Thessalonica, which I believe is a pretty awesome church, amen? You read chapter one and they serve as a model, if you will, of other churches in the area. They were sounding forth the word of God. They were trumpeting the word of God. They were unashamed. They were doing God's work. They were building the kingdom. They were evangelistic. They were passionate examples to other churches. They desired to honor God with their ministry. They were a group of people that the Bible said turned to God from idols. That meant they knew that in order to get free of their idols, they couldn't turn from idols to God. They had to turn to God to get free from their idols. Wow. They were definitely servants of the true and living God. And in chapter two, Paul talks about the mission that he is on with Silas and Timothy. You know, I can't wait to meet them old boys. I, I really do. I mean, you say, do you, you really think you're going to meet Timothy in heaven? Absolutely. Really think you're going to meet? Absolutely. Because I can only imagine 
what their journey must have been like with Paul. See, he recounts his encounter with the church at Thessalonica and the relationship they built. In verse 10, he talks about their calling into the kingdom of God. And he talks about his team's behavior among them. He talks about that in three ways along with Silas and Timothy, how he helped the Thessalonians have the tools and the skills necessary to be kingdom builders at home, at work, and among the people of God. Now, I want to focus on that just a little bit today, but before I do, I want you to know why I do. I want to focus on these things that Paul said to the church because I believe they'll help you. I believe they'll help you at home. I believe they'll help you at work. I believe they'll help us as a church. And just prior to speaking of these believers at Thessalonica, Paul talked about their testimony. He said, we behaved devoutly, which meant they had a holy manner about themselves. They were emphasizing how they lived before God. He said, we behaved justly, which means righteous or uprightly. They were emphasizing how they dealt righteously under the divine law toward God and man. Then he said, we were blameless, which emphasized their reputation before the people. I believe it's very important we understand that these men were exemplary spiritual fathers. They were examples to their generation. And can I say to you, if we follow their pattern, we will be examples to this generation. They were setting a standard for all who followed them. And after stating their testimony, Paul focuses on the investment that he and his team would make in the Thessalonians that they would be builders of the kingdom of God. Let's talk about the first part. First part we read that Paul gives them a word of commendation. He exhorts and encourages them. There is a fancy word that explains their relationship and it is the word parakaleo and it means to call alongside. It is related to the Greek noun parakletos which is the meaning of the one who comes alongside and it is one of the titles for the Holy Spirit. He said, we are coming alongside of you. We've been called to do that just as the Holy Spirit indwells you. See, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to guide us in our daily walk and to convict us of sin so that our lives might be lives that brings glory to the Son of God. You see, the Holy Spirit strengthens us. He gives us this strength to have the courage and the bravery that we need in the midst of spiritual warfare. I like the words of 1 Corinthians 16, 13, where the scripture says this, watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, be strong. But I really like the way the NASB translates it, where it says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Did you notice the difference? Instead of using the words be brave, here's what he says. Act like men. Oh, it's only amazing to my mind to consider what God might do if his men would just act like his men. See, Paul was teaching us that if we're going to fulfill our role of building God's kingdom, there are going to be some times you got to bow it up on the goal line, boys. Amen? There's going to be times that it's fourth and goal and you got to get a stop. There's going to be times that you've got to act like a man and not a mouse. Most of us like me, I'd rather fight a bear than a mouse. Wouldn't y'all? A bear, I could see him coming. That mouse, he gets across my feet. It's going to be, I'm going to hurt myself. But too many men today in the church, you're not going to like this, but this is true. They have a grown body and a childish heart. Get tore up from the floor up over stuff that don't matter, but let something come along that really matters and they become passive. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something, men. I believe if we're going to see our boys and girls and our grandpas and boys and grandgirls, if we're going to see the generations that follow us walk with God, they're going to have to see us doing it now. I told the men in the prayer room this morning, Psalm 111, verse 1. The psalmist said, I'm going to praise you with my whole heart. I'm going to do it in the workplace. I'm going to do it in the marketplace. I'm going to do it in the house of God. And I told him this morning early, I was meditating on that verse with God and God spoke to my heart and said, son, make sure you're walking the right path because you can't lead anybody down a path you're not on yourself. Act like men. God help us. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Paul talked about this when he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. When I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Hear me. As your pastor today, I want you to know something. I deeply desire to come alongside of you. Are y'all with me? I deeply desire to come alongside of you and to help you personally walk with God. But you can't walk with God being passive and just letting whatever will be, will be. You're gonna have to get proactive about your relationship with God so that you can lead others to walk the same path. God, help us today. I want to help you. I want to help your family walk with God. I want to encourage you, as Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 12, to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life, which you were called and confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I want to help you do that because we need each other. Are y'all with me? We need each other. You say, well, say wait a minute preacher how can you encourage me to make sure that I'm building his kingdom and not my own maybe that's a question you have let me tell you how you can do this you got to ask yourself a few questions one question it's not on the screen but you might want to write it down one way you can tell whether you're building his kingdom or not is whose kingdom are you dreaming about whose kingdom dominates your thoughts most people today in church leadership don't even consider their role of service to God unless it's Sunday morning. Hmm. If you have a responsibility of teaching, let me help you. This is a verse that strikes fear in my heart as a preacher and teacher of the gospel. And if you're involved in teaching ministry, hear me. James chapter 3 verse 1 says that teachers will be held to a stricter judgment. Makes everybody want to show up and teach, don't it, right? Well, you say, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just bow out, man. I won't put myself in the crosshairs of that stricter judgment, but wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. But if God has called you to serve in that capacity and you resist and reject him, you are still responsible for that ministry regardless of your behavior. I told, did I tell y'all my heart's full this morning? <laughs> it is, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, not, I'm telling you today, hear me, hear me clearly. We've got to be concerned about the things of God. Time is running out. The king is coming. People are perishing, and they need to hear the gospel. God to help us. Oh, I tell you, we've got to ask God to help Here's the second question. You got to ask yourself, are you willing to take a risk? When you know there's a possibility you might fail and maybe even suffer embarrassment. <laughs> Hear me. You always need to remember something I learned from Junior Hill years ago. I've never considered myself to be very successful, never considered myself to be very special. I know there's some of you say, yeah, you're unique, all right. But I want you to hear me. There are times that you and I feel like chronic failures, don't we? <clears throat> Junior Hill stood at the pulpit of First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm out there, a young 20-something pastor, and I'm feeling like I'm failing out of the starting block. And he said, Preacher, I want you to listen to me. Room full, 10,000 people in there. 
He said, no man who has ever stood and faithfully proclaimed the gospel is a failure. I don't know if that helped y'all. That helped me. Because I want to tell you today, and I think I'm going to do something on this soon. I'm going to do some kind of thing on this because everybody looks around and with all the explosion of social media and all the explosion of stuff, everybody looks around and it looks like everybody's church is just busting at the seams and they baptized 45,000 last year and everything. And you look around and you go, wait a minute, what's wrong with me? But here, here, here's the thing. God did not always promise us results, but he did promise us his presence. And just because things don't go the way we want or the way every, listen, and sometimes you won't believe this, people over-sensationalize. <laughs> Amen? But I want to say to preachers today, and I want to remind myself, and I try to remind those that I have any opportunity to speak into their life, don't always base your faithfulness or God's faithfulness to you on what you see. Just keep preaching the word. Keep pointing people to Calvary. Keep rescuing the perishing. Keep reeling in the wayward. Keep doing everything you can and God will take care of the results. He'll take care of that. God help us. Oh, I tell you today, if you're ever gonna do anything great for the kingdom of God, you've gotta be willing take the risk that it may not go the way you want it to go <laughs> I got so many things I could say about that that God put dreams in my heart years ago that never became reality till I got here and can I tell you something God's birthing some dreams in my heart right now they scare me gathering they scare me do you know how I know they're from God they scare me because if it was a dream that I could fulfill with what I've got in front of me right now and that what you could fulfill with what we have and it did not require the intervention of God then it wouldn't be from God God help us oh, there's so much in my heart that I just and you know what in Satan it says you can't do that you can't do that. Remember, you failed before. Oh, yeah. But you know what? It's like I said last Sunday night, our association meeting, I stood in behind the very first pulpit I ever stood behind just to give an invocation, a word of personal testimony. I looked to the right, and there was the same altar bench that I knelt down as a 15-year-old boy and told God I'd do whatever he wanted me to do. And I told the people there, I said, there have been a lot of times I've wanted to quit. A lot of times I've wanted to take the down, throw it in. And I've told y'all, but I told them. But I remember what old Phil Hoskins always used to say. He said, I throw the towel in, told God I quit. The Holy Ghost throw it back, hit me in the face, said, clean your face up, boy, we're almost home. You can't quit. <laughs> Marty, we are almost home. Did you know that? My goodness, is anybody looking forward to home? I'm looking real forward, you know, more than ever. Let me move on, okay? Let's talk about it, Paul's compassion. He comforted them. He brought comfort and consolation. And I want you to know that that is very critical in assisting others towards spiritual maturity. Because many obstacles and failures that Christians experience cause many to never reach maturity. Compassion and comfort is very important. This same word is used in John eleven nineteen and also in John eleven thirty one to describe the comfort that was given the grieving the grieving family of Lazarus. These words fit the character of who is a spiritual father to a growing group of Christians. Man, I tell you, he made a huge difference in their life. And then I got to end today by talking about his charge. You know, Paul, he commended them, he encouraged them. He had compassion and comfort for them. But he ends up by charging them. 
He said in that verse right there, verse 11, he said, I exhorted and comforted and I want to charge every one of you. How? As a father does his own children. I imagine growing up, your daddy charged you about some stuff, gave you some responsibility, held you accountable. Sometimes in the church today, folks shy away from accountability because it makes them uncomfortable. But I'm telling you, if you're going to be faithful and if we're going to reach where God's taking us, it's going to require some accountability among the brethren. Amen? It's very important. If I'm going to grow up, it means i got to show up. Amen? People are taking there saying, well, it's no big deal. You know, you don't have to make a big deal about church attendance. I see pastors arguing about this. Well, God never said you had to come to church on Sunday. I'm back and forth, but I mean, you can just, you can splice that up any way you want to, but I'm just going to hear you. I want you to hear me. Never forget this. If you love Jesus, you will love what Jesus loves more than anything. If Jesus is supreme in your life, then you will love what he loves above anything else. And if anything else, look here, you ain't gonna like this, this is true, but if you love anything or anything takes preeminence in your life more than Jesus, then you have allowed an idol to take his place. The way it is, man. Paul's charge, what'd he do? He was faithful to give direction to them. His words came as a charge to Thessalonica and the Greek word for charge is related to the word martyr because so many faithful witnesses died for their boldness. I told our football team Friday morning about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, this is the end. But for me, it's the beginning of life. Two weeks later, Germany surrendered. But two weeks before they surrendered, in World War II, Dietrich Bonhoeffer gave his life for the gospel wow John MacArthur said Paul warned them that any deviation from the divinely prescribed course of conduct had serious consequences the warning was an admonishment that if they did not follow the course laid out for them they could expect to receive spiritual discipline from the apostle you know what he's saying I love you but if you don't act right I'm going to strap your legs amen that's what he said so why did Paul do these things? Because he loved them. He was a spiritual daddy to them. Who are you having some mentorship over, sir? If you're not passing on the baton to the next generation, I want to encourage you to do that. Mentor somebody. Mentor your children. Mentor your grandchildren. Mentor their friends. Mentor the people around you. Be a, be a blessing. Pass it on. See, as spiritual fathers, we must be examples, but also instructors. We must be a teacher and a motivator. We must, we must be regularly engaged in exhorting and comforting and instruction. But what was Paul in, telling them to do? To walk worthy of the God who called you. It's time for the church to stop making excuses for what we can't do and start looking for the opportunities before us to do more than we ever thought possible. Paul was challenging them to live spiritually mature lives. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 is a great blessing to me. There have been so many times I've gone back to that verse and I've read these words. He who calls you is faithful. He has called us to save. He has called us to be sanctified and to be used in his service of his kingdom. But if we're going to be kingdom builders, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to build kingdoms with our little boys and little girls and grandboys and grandgirls and everybody around us, we must live uncompromising, pure, and exemplary lives as spiritual fathers. Our motives and actions must be the standard to follow. I've got a bunch of these, and I'm going to close with this today. But I've got a bunch of these out here on the table. Jim's got them. We'll spread them out between these two on the, on the table there, Jimbo. Um, that I want you to take home with you because I want you to have this stick in your Bible. I want you to be able to read it and it's just simply called the charge. Here's what it says. It says, I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, or back away, or be still. 
My past is redeemed. My present makes sense and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talk, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, and regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk with his patience, live by prayer and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes. Give till I drop. Preach you all know and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. How about you today? Sir, do the people that see you and watch your life, those closest to you, it's been said if you can be a Christian at home, you can be a Christian anywhere. But if you can't be a Christian at home, you can't be one anywhere. What about those closest to you? Do they see a commitment and an unflinching and unwavering commitment to the cause of Christ? What about those that view your life between Sundays? Do they see you committed? Are you unashamed to commit to uh, verbalize your commitment to Christ? What about the kingdom? Whose kingdom are we building? Are we building our own? Or are we building his? Okay, I just read that wrote this and there's no author to attribute that, credit that to. He said, I am a disciple of his. I will follow him to the death. And when he comes, my banner will be clear. Is that you? If not, hear me. We're not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. If it's not you, it can be you today. I still believe that you don't have to leave here like you came in Jesus' name. I still believe that you can leave here a transformed man, a transformed woman, a transformed family. We might leave here today a transformed church. But it will only happen if we surrender our agenda for his. Stop building our kingdom and start building his. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you, Father, that you've taught me all these years that it's not always popular. It's not always easy. But you promised that you'd always be faithful. Father, you taught us in your word in Colossians chapter 3 that whatever we do, we do heartily to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord we will receive the reward of the inheritance for we serve the Lord Christ. Father, I pray today there will be sweet surrender in this house. Surrender to your Lordship. Surrender to the power and the authority of your word that we would realize that you're all we need 
Lord, you taught us in Psalm 22 that the kingdom is yours and you rule over the nations. Father, today, would there be a commitment to the kingdom building in every home, in every life, and in this church to flood beyond these walls for your glory. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Won't you stand with me all across the house? While you're standing, I want you to look this way just for 10 seconds, then Marty's going to sing. The psalmist said, Lord, Lord, forever your word is settled in heaven. Not a thing I can do to change what this word says. I, I might could. I could take me a pen and write in some things I didn't like. A lot of people have done that. A lot of people have tried to take in this word and make it fit them. Instead of realizing this word wasn't given, it's not a word to man about God. It's God's word to man. He's saying, you don't take this word to make it fit you. This word was given to mold you to look like Jesus. Amen. It is the will of the Father that we would be conformed to the image of his dear Son. Church, hear me. I've been leading churches a long time now, which means nothing other than the fact I've just been around. But I want to tell you what I do know. It's the glory of God don't fall when we're just content to just hum along and stay in our pews. The glory of God falls when people surrender themselves to Jesus. When people are willing to be vulnerable and not worry about what people say about them or think about them, but they're willing to drop tear stains on the carpets and altars and I tell you, that's when the glory of God falls. You say, how do you know? Because I've been there. I've seen it. But I don't believe I've seen anything like what God wants to do right here. I've never, I've been burdened for every person, every place God's allowed me to serve, but I've never been more burdened for what I believe God wants to do. Elisha said, if you could just see what I see. We can only see what he sees. I plead with you today to come to Jesus. Marty, you lead us when you're ready. Room at the cross.
Sing that chorus, Marty. Sing it with him now. for the word today, amen, amen. Thank you, you and be seated. Thank you so much. As our ushers are coming, you guys go ahead and make your way. As they're coming today, I want to remind you, be faithful as always. It's uh, very important that we do. Uh, work God's called us to do is bigger than me, it's bigger than you, it's, but it's not bigger than him. He's just using us to be a part of that. I want to encourage you and, and to tell you how grateful I am for your continued support of Awakened City. That's our church partners in Harriman, Utah. And uh, there are some wide envelopes like this one in the pew uh, that has Awakened City Church on there. That, uh, that Whatever comes in those envelopes goes directly to the work there. We appreciate your continued support of that ministry. Should be hearing real soon about our plans for our, our team going out next summer for a kids camp again and uh, hopefully have uh, be able to have a big team next time. I know they're expecting a big group, aren't they, Glenn? They're expecting double what they had this year, and, and we're just excited to be a part of that. And I will ask you while we're talking about missions too, would you pray, would you, would you pray something along with me? You know, like we're talking about the message, we're called to serve alongside. I'm alongside you, you're alongside. We're alongside each other, God guiding our hearts and our steps. Uh, just pray as we look forward down the road. Uh, as I told you when we established our first partnership with, with Awaken City, that that wasn't the end, that's just the beginning. Kind of like, you know, in 2009 for Alabama, you know. We, yeah, just seeing if y'all listening. Y'all don't count us out yet, dogs, all right? But anyhow, no, uh, it's no at the end, it's just the beginning. And uh, I really believe God has so much more in store for us. Y'all realize how many, there's so many more uh, church planners and pastors and leaders across North America in places that are radically under, unchurched that need our help and support. And I really believe God's going to use us in greater ways. So would you join me in praying God lead us where he wants us and place us where he wants us? Because I'm telling you, I talked to some pastors this week about Utah and the, the need out there. It's not going away till Jesus comes. Amen. And I encourage them to get involved with that out there in different areas. But just want you to thank you for your commitment to missions. and It means so much. And just weekly, week in, week out, month in, month out, just being faithful. Uh, God is good, and I'm grateful for him. So would you join me as we ask God's blessings on our giving today?
starts. Hey, just before we go, don't forget this afternoon, 4 o'clock. Now, look, I've done everything I can. I've whooped out the top of the river, coleslaw, and all this kind of stuff to encourage you to be there. But I want to tell you, it will be a great time of fellowship. And I really believe the church fellowship needs to extend beyond it the walls of Sunday worship. We need to have those times where we're just together and hanging out and just loving loving God and loving each other and, you know, frying a few fish don't hurt, does it, Ray? Don't hurt a bit, don't it? But do, don't forget that. You've got all these other announcements. Pay close attention. Wednesday night, 6, I look forward to seeing children, students, and adults all at 6. Yes, Rob, you got your Yes. Yes, sir. That's right. All you fish fryers and cookers and anybody, you can just catch Robbie back there, Robbie, or out front, right up here. Robbie's going to come over here, okay? That way, if you need, if you'll come by and just check with him for a minute, he's got a few last-minute things, I'm sure. And I just want to say to y'all how much I appreciate all that goes into that and all of you that work so hard. You mean so much. And I tell you, I can never articulate my vocabulary fails me even though Miss Sonia and them done a good job teaching me a lot of fancy words, right? I, uh, I, it fails me when I try to tell you exactly how much you mean to me and how much I think of you and how often I think of you. I know what the high priest felt like when he wore those robes into the Holy of Holies. He had the names of those 12 tribes on his heart symbolizing the people of God never left his heart. Well, I know how that feels, and I'm telling you, it's, a, it's not a burden, it's a blessing. I want you to know that. Church, I love you. There's not a thing you can do to stop me. Amen. We're going to have a great day together. Let's stand together. Marty's going to sing us out, and I'll go around out front and catch you.